Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at managing editor at FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. We're over here on the MMA side. Leave us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe. I may try to do a live stream, an MMA stream on the wrestling channel soon. We don't have as many interviews up as we used to. And that was a primary concern with the uh, wrestling channel, with what it used to be the regular channel. So I may do a one-person live stream soon, see how that goes. But you can still get all of our shows here, get all of our interviews here, get all of our podcasts here. And hot darn it, we are joined by a guy who's been here since the beginning, one Joseph a ferraro what's going on guys i mean what's going on sean everything's good i mean i like the background still i forgot to mention it yeah. to you last time i love the background we got the hair pulled back looking good got the t-shirt on yeah i was you know, i i may have mentioned it to you the other day i'm pretty sure you were you were one that i reached out to i have background envy for chael yeah. sonnen i saw My that yeah, yeah god man i sent that yeah. to you and james uh, or jimmy van and, and the tech team and i'm like is this real or a green screen? And we found some videos where he's interacting with the background. So it's real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. Just impeccable. Well, I told you when I looked at it, I said, so I started dissecting it and I was kind of like, look, if that's a green screen, I am super impressed. I've done a lot of green screen work. I'd be really impressed. That means technology has gone through the roof, but by the looks of it, it looks like it's a real set. And lo and behold, there you go. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I'm, I'm going to do some more video content. I'm really excited about that. So I'm looking at places and, I'm sure you guys have heard me bitch about my house in the past. It's not like uh, the best environment for some of these things. The natural light isn't really abundant, but oh man. Whereas I got, have too much right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would die for that. See, the thing is <laughs> I have uh, another room that is full of natural light, but it's also full of very, very heavy furniture that cannot yeah. be moved. Gotcha. Cannot be moved. So we'll see how it goes. We got plenty to talk about today, but like, like there are a few subjects, but there's a lot of substance to those subjects, Joe. Yeah. UFC 240, there's Ryzen, and then there's, of course, uh, UFC San Antonio that just happened. UFC San Antonio, I'm not going to pretend like it was the best card in the world. I, I took that night off and then covered the end of the show. And by the time I got home, Joe, I saw that every fight to that point had been a decision. <laughs> right, yep. Wow, that's appropriate for San Antonio, huh? Oh my goodness! Here we go, right back to the San Antonio shots. So, what what do you think of the show? What decision after decision after decision after decision? And I get it. Sometimes there's these anomalies, and this one tied a record uh, with a bunch of other shows like UFC 169 and Machida Musasi and Silva Bisping. I mean, sometimes you just get these matchups that you think look fantastic on paper, and then the fighters nullify each other, they neutralize each other. Uh, you just don't get that much action and or finishes, right? There's, I mean, there was action uh, in a few of them. Even the, um, you know, the Jennifer Maya, Ra- uh, sorry, sorry, the um, Raquel Pennington, Aldana fight. People say it was boring. I, I enjoyed it. But, you know, some of the fights, they are what they are. There was a couple that were 29-28s. But, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where if you miss the show, if you're watching it live, maybe it's like, okay, it goes to decision, whatever. But if you have to catch up, 
and watch them all, you're like, oh my goodness, what did you guys do here? So yeah. Uh, check out Seda Wolf's great uh, sort of post-mortem feature on UFC San Antonio. But uh, there were some interesting things that happened on this show. Jennifer Maya defeated number five, Roxanne Modafferi. Wasn't that close? Um, number six, Raquel Pennington defeated number 10, Irene Aldana. So a little bit of movement here in these women's divisions. Did either of those performances really stand out and kind of take hold of things? Uh, I like how Raquel was basically, you know, she was able to – adjust despite the fact it was a very difficult fight and came out in the third round did what she had to do but no i'm not surprised with the uh the, the maya modafari fight especially i mean it was a catchweight fight is what it is but uh not overly surprised with that one we also had andre arlovsky defeating ben rothwell and he put some hands on ben rothwell he hit him a lot joe yeah. so the, the main talking point we have coming out of this is we get five more years of andre arlovsky call outs yes Absolutely. I mean, he doubled the output in more. He, he landed 152 significant strikes to Rothwell's 70. Like, wow. In, in a 15-minute fight, that's a lot of punches being thrown in the heavyweight division. And not many uh, – well, the 70 punches in the heavyweight division is pretty good. Uh, that's what Rothwell threw. But Arlowski, 152, and he just lit him up a couple times. Like, so, uh, yeah, I guess your, your hope that Arlowski was not going to be called out anymore is basically null and void because he won again. So people are going to keep looking after him thinking he's an easy win, but he's not an easy out. So. Number 13, Alex Hernandez defeated Francisco Trinaldo. I, I kind of thought this was going to happen. This was way different than the Arlovsky-Rothwell uh, fight. But the Alex Hernandez situation, he's a very young fighter looking to establish his name. We had Andre Arlovsky basically fighting for his job, Joe. Uh, when you look at Alexander Hernandez and it's like, okay, he beat Trinaldo. Trinaldo is 40, but he's still a very good fighter. What does this win mean to you? Uh, well, it's a close fight, right? It was a super close fight, I mean, you, and you can make the argument it could have went the other way. Uh, you know, both guys landed 25 significant strikes each. So uh, when you take a look at how the fight sort of went back and forth sort of thing and, and, and the way they neutralize each other, you figure Hernandez being having that youth factor would have did much more. But, uh, you know, it's a good win. It's a good win on his resume. It looks good. Uh, you know, take out a guy like Trinaldo, and Trinaldo maybe, you know, can he still hang with the young guys? Yes. Uh, but he needs to be able to to continue to supersede them if he wants to continue, um, you know, being in any sort of mix, especially in this division. So it, it's at, at 155, it, it's a tough division to move up the rankings. Let alone just sorry, just getting ranked is difficult. Moving up the rankings is difficult. So uh, it's tough for Trinaldo, but Hernandez came back, did good, and you know, emerges victorious. Ray Borg got a big win. Not only that, he got a win, and UFC spotlighted him on their YouTube channel. Now that's interesting to me because. They'll do it after impressive finishes and big names and all that. But Ray Borg didn't seem like the kind of guy that I think they would do that for. And by that, I mean they they showed his Octagon interview and all that. But good for him. Apparently, UFC wants to restock the the flyweight division, which is good news for the bantamweight division as well, Joe. Um, So wherever Ray Borg ends, if he – fights at 125, 135, the UFC at least seems like they do believe in him. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was an okay performance, nothing overly crazy, but uh, I, I was surprised when I saw that. I'm sure you're definitely surprised, but I was surprised when I saw that, and I thought to myself, is there an angle to this? Is there something that, you know, was there a request made? Was it something that Dana liked or the matchmakers liked to give him some kind of love the way he was getting it? I, I'm just kind of, I, I don't know what the issue is, but or I don't know what the agenda is, but, um, you know, Fighting at 135 and thinking about 125 and all that jazz there, so it's it's that that division's just weird as it is the flyweight division, and uh, we do have some clarity with what Dana White said uh, about Joseph Benavides, and he had Aljamain Sterling come out uh, and talk about an interim fight at 135. So interesting, interesting things are going to happen to those two divisions uh, as the year wraps up. I know we're just past the midway point of this year, but. Interesting to see what's going to happen with those two divisions. And I usually pay a lot of attention to YouTube numbers, especially for WWE content, because it shows you what people are going out of their way to see. And uh, this show really showed that people were going out of their way to see the the main event, Octagon interview, and everything else was less. Even Greg Hardy was less than that. But Ray Borg, although the numbers weren't impressive, 77,000, you look at Mario Batista's at like 36,000. Dan Hooker's Octagon interview at 75,000. 
considering that Dan Hooker has gotten quite a, a little bit of a push and yeah. is on the come up, that surprised me a little bit. Dan Hooker, though, defeated James Vick, and James Vick, man, we were talking about him as a contender like a year ago, Joe. How the mighty have fallen, right? Like to go down in two and a half minutes, uh, take that away from Dan Hooker, who was a fantastic fighter, but uh, James Vick just didn't look that, didn't have that speed and that head movement uh, that he had in the past and that aggressiveness. And once he got tagged, you know, Dan Hooker just simply switched a gear and went in there for the finish and, you know, you know, put him out there, got performance of the night with that one. So good on Dan Hooker. Uh, I appreciate him saying that in the uh, post-fight interview, he wants to be in the same card as his brother, who's going to unify the titles, Israel Zidane. So remains to be seen if he'll be added to that card, but hopefully he does because he's a fantastic fighter at 155 pounds. It remains to be seen what's going to happen. But like you said, he's getting that push. So we'll see what happens, uh, you know, the rest of 2019. James Vick was 13-1 and one just uh, last year after February. He had went 3-1 and one on the Ultimate Fighter in 2012, and after that Kiesa loss, and he had a little hiccup against Benil Dariush, he beat some good guys. I mean, even on the Ultimate Fighter, he beat Darren Crookshank, finished him. He beat uh, Abel Trujillo, who is a giant piece of shit, we've learned. Uh, oh, Joseph, Joseph Duffy. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo, he beat a lot of those guys. And since then, he, he's gotten a real step up, Justin Gaethje. Then a little bit of a step down, Paul Felder. Then another little bit of a step down, Dan Hooker. And he has come up short in all of those, finished in pretty violent fashion in two of those. Now you're looking at a situation where in the last, I don't know, 37 months, he has four losses. He went from this amazing streak to... Losing three in a row, and now he's four and four in his last eight even. Like, if you want to expand on that, there are a lot of ways you can spin that. Do you think James Vick gets another chance? I do, but uh, what what do you see in his future? Yeah, I think he's going to get one more chance. I mean, he's still, he's still technically uh, considered an exciting fighter. Not considered in his last fight an exciting fighter. Uh, obviously getting knocked out the way he did, but I'm sure there's they'll, they'll say, listen, you got one more fight. We're going to give you one more fight, and, and we'll see what's going to happen. It's not like the Miles Jury situation. He's got to go uh, over to Bellator and take on Ben Henderson. But um, w- w- with James Vick, I think they're going to give him at least one more chance and say, look, you got to do something. Uh, I think they're going to give him somebody much, much lower in the quote-unquote rankings uh, to either build his confidence back up, because I don't think they want to turn their back on him uh, just yet. I know he's 32, but that's technically the prime of most fighters' careers. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It just sucks that his, you know, his last three, you know, he went from 13 and one to 13 and four uh, in, in a one-year span. So, as Joseph Boza points out, I, I would also like to see him take a shot at 170. Why not? You're six foot three guy. Yeah, he's a big boy, but more power at 170. So got to be careful. Speaking of big boys, Greg Hardy defeated Juan Adams via TKO. Juan Adams talked all that trash. Uh-huh. Stepped in, went for a single leg, and just got pounded out. What did you think of the stoppage? It was, I mean, he was holding on to the single leg, but he was not doing anything. He was just eating big mitts to the head. Greg Hardy, mm, you know, don't feel so hot about him, but. He is uh he's got three fights in the UFC. One was a DQ and he's won two others. What do you think of this guy? What do you think of this fight? Well, he beat Juan Adams. Right? Like, he sure did. Yeah, like Juan Adams is what, five and or four and two heading into this fight here. So technically it's a fair matchup. Juan Adams did what he could to sell the fight. I get it, no problem. Um I mean initially when I was watching the fight, I thought are those punches hitting the back of the head? Let's make sure they're not. They weren't. And, you know, Juan Adams wasn't doing anything, like you said, other than holding that that leg and just taking punishment. You can't do that. I mean, maybe you can do it in the smaller divisions because there's not that much power, but it's probably going to be faster at a smaller division. In the heavyweight division, I mean, Greg Hardy, those guys, didn't they both make 265 or 265 and a half? Like, those are bombs that were being thrown. That's a lot of meat behind those punches. So uh, you, you can't sit there and take them. Then people can be, you know, they question the stoppage all they want i doubt it but it is what it is i will say that i'm impressive or i'm impressed with how active greg hardy has been in 13 months he's fought six times as a pro uh it, since november 2017 he's fought nine times that is very impressive that is not a pace that a lot of people will keep and i think that he knows he should 
What's next for Greg Hardy? I mean, he's a name that's in there. He's won three fights in the UFC. Do you think it's time to give him somebody that isn't a complete tomato can? Or I mean, he's finishing these guys. Yeah. Do you try him against Augusta Sakai or Marcin Tybura? How about this one? Hear me out. Andre Arlovsky. Or Ben Rothwell. I think they'd both beat him, obviously. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. Yeah. That's the thing. When you look at that, the, do you think that... See, Vinny, maybe, maybe Fernando's saying somebody in the top 20, and, you know, the guys that we mentioned are... I mean, are they either one of those two guys that we just talked about in the top 15? No, they're not. I don't see them. No. Yeah. What about so Junior Albini? That's a fight I'd like to see. And, I mean, then you could... Who's the guy they just cut or that they're on the fringe of bringing back? Oh, gosh. Uh, I thought it was Walt Harris, wasn't it? No, no, not Walt Harris. I don't think he wants to fight Walt Harris. No, um, hell no, he doesn't want to fight Walt Harris. Who's the guy that, that he was talking trash? He beat Mark Hunt. And then afterwards, he fought, I think he fought. Who did he fight? He fought Damn. someone. He fought somebody else. And then it was one of those things. You know what? They don't like him. Somebody called him the, the titty machine or something like that. It was just hilarious. I was like, what is this guy's name? I'm trying to remember now. The tip of my, Justin Willis. There we go. Justin Willis. Would you fight? Would you put Justin Greg Harris? Willis. Would just whip his ass. Would you put the fight together? Yeah, sure. I would put Greg Hardy against anybody right now. Or do you think thinking Dana White and everyone, oh my God, tail the tapes of Derek Lewis, no chance. Um, <laughs> you think Dana White's thinking, listen, we put some money behind this guy. We still got to protect our asset. We still got to protect our investment. Let's build him up, quote unquote, slowly before he goes in there and fights these guys. I mean, Justin Willis went out and beat Mark Hunt, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see it, but. Not yet. It's tough. Who do you put him against? Right. So, yeah. Um, man, I was gonna say if he could talk to Stefan Struve, yeah, maybe him. Yeah, but I, I mean, Stefan Struve is he's. I don't think he has a contract, and he said he might retire. There's there's a lot of stuff there. Um, I maybe Rosenstruck would be an interesting one if yeah, you're giving him somebody who's won fights. Yeah. Eh, I just I think you, you need to give them somebody that like I, okay I pull up the fight matrix rankings. Yep. Greg Hardy is ranked thirty second, and that includes Ariane Buller uh, and like people that aren't there anymore. So he's roughly thirtieth in that division. And the only other people that are around him are people who have lost their last fights based on a statistical thing. You got to go all the way up to like. 23 to find somebody who won outside of uh, Juan Jeppa. And, and that, hey, I, I don't hate that one either. The guy who beat Justin Frazier last year. But uh, somebody says Blogway Ivanov. Man, Blogway Ivanov would beat the brakes off of Greg Hardy. And it wouldn't oh. even be close. It wouldn't no. even be close. No. Thank you to Tim Traver for the super chat. Uh, I have enabled super chats here on uh, this channel. So if you all want, your comment or question read on the air, uh, leave a super chat any amount. Helps us pay writers, podcasters, all that good stuff. Well, let's go on and talk about a heavyweight fight that actually matters right now. Walt Harris just beat the brakes off of Alexi Olenek. And all that talk we did about, well, mainly that I set you up to knock down about the secret weapon, not a secret weapon, the weapon of Alexi Olenek. Well, he didn't get to the ground to try it. He couldn't pull guard to try it. He couldn't do anything. Because Walt Harris just plowed through him. My yeah. God. What a performance. Are we starting to get some sort of recency bias with Walt Harris and starting to realize, you know what? He's fast. He's finishing guys. That precision is there. But is he that good? Well, here's the thing. He he didn't use – I mean, he let his hands go here and there. But, I mean, if you remember his original UFC run, he got beat by Jared Rochalt and Nikita yeah. Krylov real quickly. And he – Won a fight in Titan. He came back, got beat by Soa Pulele. And I remember it's like, I remember when he beat Cody East, uh, bless him. Cody East is trash. But he was like, man, do you know how long I've been waiting to have an octagon speech in this cage? And let's look back at, at the rest of his fights, Joe. Let's, I mean, he's got four fights in a row that he's won. Yeah. Uh, the, the, Arlovsky overturn shouldn't be an overturn. He's won four straight fights. Uh, that fight sucked. The Mark Godbeer loss, 
was via DQ. Can you really count that? I don't know if you can. The Fabricio Verdum thing, boy, am I willing to let that one go. That he was on like that, 15 minutes notice. Yeah, he right? took that on a few hours notice. Yeah. Before that, he beat Surreal Astor and Chase Sherman. So, I mean, you look at the trajectory this guy is on, and literally nobody who he knew was going to fight him going into that day has beaten him in his last seven, eight fights. So I put some more stock into that. Like, nobody expected him to do that. That was a goodwill thing that he did fighting Fabricio Verdum. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he just helped the company out there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that guys are saying in the chat right now. Walt Harris versus Derek Lewis. Walt Harris versus JDS. Uh, Tim Traver, I got to return his two dollars for calling me his favorite MMA person. Um, Walt Harris is, cannot be competing against any of those guys that were mentioned. He would get yeah. absolutely uh, touched up. I like the Ivano fight. Um, you know, it, it, you can't say he's got to fight Overeem because Overeem might outstrike him. Uh, I'd like to see the Volkov fight. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll that that fight. I think that makes a lot of sense. A couple of really big guys. But, I mean, we, we look back even to the Shamil Abdurakimov fight, and that was a close fight. I think yeah. Abdurakimov won it. But there hasn't been, like I said, since he's had 10 fights in a row. And outside the Fabricio Verdum fight, there hasn't been one fight that he was out of, completely out of. Yeah. So that says something to me at, at heavyweight. Um, that, that, that was an impressive performance. Verdum's on suspension right now? Verdum's like done, I think. Verdum is, he's done forever. Okay. I would imagine. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I can't it's even done. keep in track for what he did. I think he's, no, I think he's eligible to return in 2020, May 2020. Uh, but he's requested a release from the UFC. But I mean, in one year, one more year, what, I mean, I'm sure they'll bring him back just to do it, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Leon Edwards defeated Rafael Dos Anjos, just like I said he would, just not within three rounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said RDA was going to win by TKO, but go ahead. Yeah, RDA at this point, is he just the elite gatekeeper of 170? At this point, right? At this point, yeah. I mean, he was eating left elbows like they were for free. Like he was, they're like Skittles popping out of one of those commercials. They were just, the lefts were landing nonstop and he wasn't able to do much. You know, you, you give me RDA two years ago, he walks through. Leon Edwards, uh, not anymore. Uh, good on Leon Edwards, who continues uh, to climb up the rankings, that continues to put on fantastic performances. Uh, I mean, do we not all want to see that Masvidal fight now, based on what happened backstage uh, overseas? Like, I would love to see Edwards and Masvidal go at it. But, you know, we'll see. And then you look at, at Leon Edwards, and it's like, okay, well, what is he What's next? Well, it's not Masvidal. Masvidal said, nope, sorry, getting a title shot or nothing. Yeah, and he'll stick to his word, man. Yeah, and, and I hate that because, I, hey, man, I like Masvidal. He's got two fights one in a row. He's won two fights in a row. And before that, he lost two fights in a row. I, I he's, respect He's getting paid good money for being in the main event. Yes, right? and my God, I mean, for the last... Let me think. Uh, I know he made two hundred. I know he's made four hundred thousand dollars this year off of disclosed payment, and yeah. then another hundred and fifty thousand for bonuses. So he's made five hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year. Before we get into Reebok and anything else, but when I look at that and I'm like, man, Colby Covington deserves that title shot. Yeah. If he wins, if he beats Lawler, he deserves that title shot. I would run Askin and Lawler back, just like I said. And I would run Edwards and Masvidal on the same card, uh, and the, yeah, and on the same Coving, card, yeah, Covington, Covington if he wins, yeah, yeah, you slap that on the same card, and you got yourself a situation where if anybody gets injured, someone's stepping in, right? So yeah, they the UFC had these set up to knock down, and they they didn't do it, they wouldn't do it, and I don't understand it, man. I don't get it. But uh, Leon Edwards looked impressive, but it was like. I don't know that a lot of people are clamoring to see him fight anybody next. They they probably should. He's very good. Yeah. He is right, unbelievable. But it is what it is. Uh, also is what it is. Ryzen 17 coming up this week. You call on that one? Absolutely. Leaving um, Thursday afternoon, Eastern time, 1 o'clock Eastern, or one forty Eastern time. So 
should be a nice long flight, plenty of stuff to watch mm-hmm. on the on the flight. There's lots of research to do. Uh, fantastic main event, solid co-main event. Yeah, really good third fight from the top. So got some really big names from the from in Japan competing against one another. The Ryzen 18 card is sick. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Oh one yeah, before. oh yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I mean, on this upcoming card, there's no Horiguchi or Nasakawa, or yeah, but there are some names that a lot of people are going to recognize, like Oka Sasaki, uh, Hirota Kawajiri. Johnny Case, Sohee Ham. That's going to be Reina. a crazy. So, yeah, so Johnny Case's fight is part of the lightweight Grand Prix qualifying, right? So there's going to yeah. be a 155-pound Grand Prix this year ending uh, in December. So here we go. These are the first few fights to get in there. And I think the winner of, of Yachi and Asukara uh, automatically are in there. But it, it's going to be a, by the end of this year, it's going to be absolutely insane. I mean, it, it's I, I love these Grand Prix. I thought there's going to be another one. Uh, on this card here, but I guess they're only going to do the lightweight for this year. But, you know, we've seen all kinds of Grand Prix go down uh, in Japan, and we've seen crazy world champions. I mean, Krokop seems to have won so many of them, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, the ladies' Grand Prix from a year ago was fantastic. So this is going to be good. This card is going to be fantastic. Don't sleep on the Hirota and D'Souza fight. Uh, that there, I mean, you know, Roberto D'Souza, not many people know him. He's a Japanese-Brazilian, right? Or is a Brazilian-Japanese, yeah. whatever. Um, he's just incredible. His striking is getting so much better, but if that fight hits the ground, look out. Things get ugly real quick. And Johnny Case is one of those guys that it kind of looks like the UFC cut a little bit too early, Joe, since he left. Yeah. Uh, he's just hit the bricks and uh, finished people. The last Since last March, he's finished three people. He had that PFL fight that went to a majority draw, but he's looking really, really good. And you got Kawajiri there who, you know, It'd be nice to see him pick up a win <laughs> yeah. for, for a sentimental aspect of things. You have Hirota, another person who, uh, fresh out of the UFC, you don't know how he'll perform over in Japan. You, you got a lot of interesting names over there. And the thing is, companies in Japan don't throw somebody away when they've lost three or four in a row. No, uh, they, no. they match them up sometimes, and yep. you still get that star power and that name value out of it. Uh, what are you particularly looking forward to on this show otherwise? Uh, I want to see how uh, Reina does against Edgar. That's, that's going to be an interesting fight there. But, I mean, the, the, the Kitioka and Case fight is going to be, you know, lights out. Kitioka has a way of submitting guys that can outstrike him. But if he can't get the takedown and can't hold a guy down, he starts trading bombs with them. And if Case just lands something crisp, it's going to be lights out uh, for Kitioka. But he, I mean, that guy goes down on his sword all the time. He's one of the most interesting characters in MMA in general let alone in, in Japan. If you guys ever see some of his interviews or even his walkouts, you think Diego Sanchez is nuts? Go look at this guy. He's absolutely crazy. Um, Tiger's a star over there. He's building a pretty big name for himself in that kickboxing world over there. That's a guy they're trying to potentially move up uh, to take on uh, Tenshin Nasukawa. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. But other than that, those top three fights are going to be fantastic. I mean, uh, two of them are at Bantamweight, one's at Lightweight, especially that main event. I mean, Yusuke Yachi, obviously part of the Killer B crew, or the uh, Crazy B crew um, with Kid Yamamoto. So, and he's taking on Asakura, one half of the, the Asakura brothers, with the other one taking on uh, Kyoji Horiguchi in the main event of the next show. So those Asakura brothers are are, are due for international stardom, but they'll, they'll keep fighting in Japan. But man, those guys, you got to watch their one-on-one fights in their yard that I think the mom or the, or the friends used to record. They used to just go outside and beat the living brakes off each other because uh, nobody would fight them, right? They came from an organization called The Outsiders, which was basically, Sean, taking street kids and getting them off the streets and letting them compete in MMA. And they became, you know, I think one of them became a champion. They both became champions in there. And then they made it to Ryzen. So these guys are bad, bad dudes. Dress well, look good, but do not cross them the wrong way, Sean. Maybe they're the Diaz brothers of Japan. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we we have some fight news. Ben Henderson versus Miles Jury at Bellator 227. I like this fight. Which fight, sorry? Uh, uh, Ben Henderson versus Miles Jury, Bellator 227 uh, in a couple months. Yeah, I missed the Miles Jury part. Yeah, I like the fight, namely because, you know, Miles had, you know, he got cut. And Benson seems to be, you know, every time you and I talk about Benson Henderson, we're kind of like, he still got it, but yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. He still has it. He's going to finish someone. I don't know if he's going to finish Miles Jury. You know, Miles Jury is going to come in there and use his lane to use his height. And, you know, it's going to be a difficult guy to submit. You know, they, they both have black belts. 
and, and you know, I, I would say that Miles Jury is the more precise striker, the more powerful striker is Benson Henderson, but it's MMA. It could be interesting. And, and it's, you know, two former UFC guys main eventing a Bellator card. Two former title challengers, kind of. Sajara Eubanks against Betch Cohea, Mexico <laughs> City. You love oh, it. Oh, okay. You love it. Like, okay, why not? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you one that I really like, Joe. It is rumored. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. That Fedor Emelianenko versus Quentin Rampage Jackson is headlining Ryzen 20. Josh Barnett was apparently in the mix to fight Emelianenko, but Rampage was the chosen one. That's a good fight. You realize if I call a Fade or a Emelianenko fight, my MMA career could end right there. That's 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 a big – that's awesome. I love that. I'll have done, met, hung out with, chatted with every major star that has ever been in MMA if I can some way, somehow get in front of Fade or Emelianenko. So my fingers are crossed. It actually takes place. We'll see. But – I like the fight because if you don't think Fader will stand and trade with uh, Rampage, oh, he will. you're probably a donkey. And Rampage would not want to go to the ground with Fader because Fader, if he puts Fader on his, or if he puts Rampage on his back, Fader's going to knock his head off. So I like the fight. It remains to be seen if it's going to happen. But this co promotion between um, uh, Ryzen and Bellator continues. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. So. I wish I had more information regarding that, but that, that whole Scott Coker thing is kept very quiet, Sean. So, Yeah, and with Quentin Rampage Jackson, he's said in the past that he's gotten some of his best contracts later in his career, but I honestly, I thought maybe he'd be done. He hadn't fought since Vanderlei last year, and I thought maybe he'd be done. And I mean, this is the guy that – these okay, these two guys in Krokop are the guys – that I saw footage of, and I said, I got to start watching MMA. Yeah, yeah, no and doubt. Right, yeah, yeah. Krokop would still be doing it if he could. Yep. And um, these two guys are really at the end of their road, and man, it's it's really humbling to see. And I think it's a hell of a fight to put together. Why not? Well, Why if you, not? Can you, can you just imagine if you're Krokop, who basically went to Bellator from Ryzen, he went to Bellator, in my opinion, to chase Fedor and wasn't able to do it, had the stroke. Had to retire. Now Fedor's in Japan where Krokop left to chase him. And now Fedor's potentially coming back to Japan to headline an event where where Fedor or where Krokop wanted his retirement fight to be New Year's Eve versus Fedor. It's crazy. It's a weird, weird, weird dynamic there. So remains to be seen how how it's all going to break down, but it'll be interesting. Ilar Latifi, Volkan Ozdemir booked for later this year. I think moved to later this year. That's a good, that's a good fight. fight. Yeah, that's a very good fight. I like it. It's going to say a lot about both fighters to say or see. Yeah, like if, if Uzdemir loses that fight, Sean, he's getting cut. Right? I, yeah, I don't know if we've spoken about this, but this happened a, a while back. Allegedly, 
Tito Ortiz and Alberto Del Rio are supposed to fight each other. The former Dos Caras Jr. I saw that. Oh, my God. If this is not a work, Tito Ortiz would beat the crap out of Alberto Del Rio. Jesus, man. Oh, yeah. I got you. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. uh, I don't know much about uh, Alberto, but from what I've seen and what I've heard, you see him get his head kicked off by Crow Cop. I did, I did. But uh, when he was, was it? I don't know if he still is. Is he still a part of Combate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big part. Yeah. Weird organization. I think right? that's where the fight would happen at. Okay. Combate. Um, whew. Uh, <laughs> where are they getting I, their money from? That's what I want to know. Justin Gaethje versus Donald Cerrone headlining UFC Vancouver. That is an amazing fight. What a fight. Yeah. What do you think of that though? Oh, I think I think that uh, Cerrone will win. That anytime I pick against Gaethje, he ends up winning. So, but, uh, yeah. I know. Fair, fair. It's it's going to be nuts. It's going to be. It's so hard to say because Cerrone, you just he's so good, technical, and you know refuses to go away in fights. I mean, we all want to see. Well, not we all, but a lot of people want to see that Tony Ferguson fight ran back. Um, but Gaethje's a murderer. It's going to be a good fight. I can't wait to see it. Well, the fact that Cerrone had another fight announced a month later is very, very good news. Yeah, of course. That's that's outstanding news. I'll tell you uh, what is not outstanding news. UFC champion John Jones reportedly charged with battery after an alleged strip club incident. Um, He is denying. He's uh, taken to Twitter and said that, this isn't true. It's it's not going on. And, and we don't know. We know that he paid a $300 cash bond in New Mexico, but wasn't arrested. The warrant's been lifted. Uh, I don't want to go into the validity of the claims, but man, this again. That's it. Those two words. This again. And when I saw it, I literally just looked at it, scrolled right past it, went to the next thing that was on my mind. Like, I I, I just don't care. I don't, this guy, it's, it's, it never ends. It never, ever ends at some point in life. First of all, if it's fake news, all good. John, continue to live your life. Be a good boy. Be a good dad. Be a good husband. Do your thing. Be a great fighter. Become the goat. If it's a true story, if there's smoke, if there's, you know, there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Nah. I'm not surprised, really. Like, I mean, first of all, after everything you've been through, don't go to strip joints. Yeah. Don't put yourself in any scenario or situation. You can say no, man. You could say, I remember in the heyday of my popularity, no matter what city, I used to go to Vegas six, time, six seven times a year, New York, obviously Toronto, all over the place. In my heyday, you couldn't convince me to go to a strip joint or anywhere where people had these little things here and be like, oh, look what I saw. Dude, I would take, I would have glasses of ice water, lemon water, and people would ask for a picture. I would put the lemon water down. Didn't want people to say I'm drinking straight vodka or straight tequila or straight whatever. I would protect my image as best I could. And this guy here just continues to find himself in scenarios. It's almost like, it feels like it's weekly, but continues to find make put himself in the headlines for being in the wrong places like stop well let me tell you in my heyday you can could and absolutely <laughs> will be able to talk me into going to a strip club and that will never change <laughs> so i'm not the person to take advice from in that regard just give but, me a second i'm trying to see if i have the missus's contact info oh gosh no, i'm just kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah no, uh, not for so, not for me man you all can take our advice when it comes to UFC 240 because we won't give you trash advice. At least if we do, we won't own up to it at all. <laughs> Let's get through some of the betting odds and and fighters that maybe uh, the casuals don't know about. Uh, Lemos, a plus 150. Tanner Boser, a minus 170. Sarah Frota, a plus 110. Jillian Robertson, a minus 130. Gavin Tucker, a minus 130. Choi, a plus 110. You have Yoshinori Hori, a plus 310, a big, big underdog against Hakeem Dawadu, who uh, actually James Lynch broke his uh, broke the news of his signing on Fightful. And then to uh, some degree, 
Uh, Sarukian, a minus 200 against Olivier Aben Mercier, a plus 170. All things considered, this, while it's not the most star studded show, there are some okay fights on this show. There's some okay betting lines on here. I'm not willing to pick Hori over Dawadu, but I am willing to maybe give OAM, as we'll call him, maybe maybe a nod at plus 170 against oh, yeah. Arukian. He, oh, I yeah. think there's some there's some value there. That has to be. Uh, I got five on it, right? Like he's. I mean, Obi Messier is no joke. He's he's still. I mean, the guy's training with GSP. They're doing a bunch of stuff together. They have been doing it for a while. Uh, you know, Olivier is not necessarily a tri-star guy because there's another gym there, and he's always been loyal uh, to his original instructor. But you know, he trains with some of the best. And I know Armin's a damn good fighter, but at those odds, I got five on on OAM because he's a damn good fighter. Uh, and he can rock the house at will. You know he's going to try and get that back. He's going to use his striking if it doesn't work, and 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 you know Armin gets gets flustered. He'll go for the back right away. That's just how he rolls. It's always it's always how he's going to be. Um, I, I like Hakeem in his fight as well. Hakeem for sure. Uh, and of course Gavin Tucker. Come on, Canadian. I'm not going against him just today. No. Here's an interesting fight: Davidson Figueredo, a plus one hundred against Alexandra Pantoja, a minus one twenty. This is an important fight, Joe, uh, for a few reasons, although things are really confusing. I'm still not sold on the idea that this flyweight division will continue. I'm not. Uh, Pantoja is very good, and so is Figueredo. And this doesn't strike me as the type of fight where the loser will get cut, even though Figueredo did lose his last fight, and it's possible I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility that the UFC says, Figueredo, you got you lost two in a row, uh, you're gone. But if Pantoja loses, I don't see him getting cut. The thing is, if Pantoja wins, he ain't getting a title shot because Benavidez nope. is getting that title shot. And Dana White has said that he thinks that Cejudo should fight or defend that title next. And I'm I am in agreement. Rare, rare situation. I'm in complete agreement with Dana White. He should uh, show some dedication to that division. I've got Pantoja here, but Figueredo is very, very good. And we know he can finish specifically, specifically he is dangerous in the second round. Uh, He has four, or I think five finishes in the second round in just the past few years. Like he really pours it on there. Uh, Pantoja, on the other hand, has been particularly dangerous in the early round, like the first round. Uh, whether it be on the feet, whether it be choking somebody out. This is a very interesting fight and one that nobody is talking about, Joe. Number three versus number four. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be probably, well, you know, next to the main event. Uh, yeah, next to the main event, the highest caliber fight you can get. I get the co-main event. People might argue the co-main event, but we'll get to that in a bit. Pantoya wins. Uh, he may have a date with Juicy Formiga. Figueredo wins, what do they do? Because he's already lost to Formiga, right? So it's tough to say. For now, let's focus on three versus four, two highly ranked fighters at 125 pounds, neither of which, in our opinion, are going to get cut because it's a division that seems to be just being chopped almost every single event uh, or whenever there's a flyweight belt that takes place, the loser gets cut, the winner just continues uh, to, to you know walk on thin ice sort of thing, right? So... I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. Which way am I going to go? I like the way the odds are. The odds are minus one twenty for um, Alexandre and plus one hundred for Davison. Dude, referee, step out of the way. Let these guys go. It's going to be a fast affair. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I love this fight. Uh, again, not like a bunch of people talking about it, but still a very, very interesting fight. As is Alexis Davis, a plus two ten against Vivian Arajal, who. Boy, I fell in love with this woman from a professional perspective, guys. <laughs> I, she's just so intriguing to me, Joe, and I've got her winning this fight. And if she does win this fight, although I, I, I am definitely giving Alexis Davis a healthier chance than, than the odds makers are, not the odds makers, the betters are. But I, I look at Arajau, and she just came out of nowhere uh, a couple months ago. She took a fight at 135 pounds. And I think it was maybe... That was the Bernardo fight? uh, Yeah, the Talita-Bernardo fight. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, this is a woman who 
whose fight before that was at strawweight, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of going back to strawweight or maybe saying, you know what, I'll give flyweight a go. Uh, or I, actually, I think this one is at flyweight. I'm just so used to Alexis Davis at 135. Yeah. So we're going to see her essentially in her third, not essentially, she is, her third weight division in three fights. That is very interesting to me. But yeah, uh, apologies. I'm so used to Alexis Davis as a, as a bantamweight. But you're going to see her go from strawweight to bantamweight to flyweight, not a path a lot of people take. I got a lot of respect for this woman. And she'll fight anywhere. She fought in Japan. She fought in Canada. Fought in, in, in you know, like Brazil. Like she's just all over the place. Just give me an opponent, and I'll sign the dotted line. It's what it seems like with Vivi, right? Like she's she's got this style. I mean, she shocked all of us uh, when she took up Bernardo. I mean, that that was a good fight, and that was like in the third round, if I remember. So, um, bombs away for her. I don't know how she's going to deal with a very experienced Alexis Davis, who basically has double the ex- or triple the experience, right? Because she's got uh, Arajo's got eight fights, and, and Alexis Davis has twenty eight fights. So triple the experience plus. It'd be interesting to see what this does uh, for Vivian's confidence. And if she takes her out, there's going to be a lot of question marks, a lot of answers, but more question marks saying, oh my, what do we do with this one here who's competing at 115 but is doing damn good at 125 pounds, taking out, um, you know, someone that's been around the UFC for a very, very long time. It's, it's, one of those scenarios where the matchmaking is sometimes you look at it and you think maybe this is a suspect sort of matchup. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's there's some method behind their madness. I mean, Alexis Davis is number seven right now. And a you beat the num- and a former title yeah. challenger. And Talita Bernardo was I'm not gonna pretend like Talita Bernardo was like some highly touted uh prospect or or anything like that. She had dropped fights to Renault and Aldana, but and this was like her third opponent that she had on that show, but it's yeah. still a damn good win to pop up in the UFC after taking so much time off and, and do it two weight divisions up. That's impressive to me. Yeah, she's good. She's, she's got skills. She Talita still had skills. We were high on her. I think we both predicted her to win that fight and then both were incorrect on that one. So this is a good litmus test and it's a good assessment of the matchmakers. This is a, a fight here where we can say, Oh, Maybe they see something we didn't see, um, and, and the odds makers are like, hmm, interesting. Okay. Well, the odds makers uh, see Christoph Jotko at minus 165, Mark Andre Barrialt a plus 145. Uh, Barrialt lost his last fight just, gosh, a couple months ago, two and a half months ago. Um, he has not yet made his impact felt in the UFC. Meanwhile, Christoph Jotko had and was he was highly touted and looked like he completely fell off. And then after that, he he had some injury issues, but came back and beat Amedovsky. I like where the betting lines are here, but I'm still going with Jotko. Yeah, one quick question though. He fought Magnus Senblad. Whatever yeah. happened to him? Just My injuries. God, all about him. Yeah, he got retired due to injuries. Okay, so all right. Anyways, uh, going back to the fight there, uh, Jotko, like you said, started off strong in the UFC, then went on that three-fight losing streak, emerges victorious in April. You know, is is he back on the docket? You know, it remains to be seen. But it's an interesting fight because the placement of this fight is the very first bout of the pay-per-view card. They're expecting fireworks in this fight. No ifs, ands, or buts. Up next, we have Jeff Neal, a minus 335. Nico Price, a plus 275. That might be one we're taking a flyer on, but <laughs> Jeff Neal, I, I've... He's so good. He is very good. He's good, man. Uh, yeah. Nico Price is pretty good, too, though. But uh, Jeff Neal, what he's shown me, Dana White's Contender Series, uh, last year against Kamozi and Camacho... And even this year against Bilal Muhammad, a guy, man, Bilal Muhammad is a tough out. And I don't mean just a tough out. He's a good fighter. Yeah. And when I look at him facing Nico Price, I'm like, all right, that's another very, very tough guy. Nico Price has won three of his last four. He's beaten guys like Tim Means and Alan Duran. Yeah. 
beat Brandon Thatch when remember him. People thought he was going to be something, but yeah. at plus two seventy five, I got to give Nico Price a shot. But I think Jeff Neal's going to win this. That's pretty. That sums up the whole breakdown of this fight here, like big time. I think. Um, I, you know, does Nico have a chance? Yeah, it's it's at one seventy. You know, the speeds there, the powers there, but Jeff Neal to me right now is 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 a very special fighter. It'd be interesting to note to see how this guy's ascension up the ladder uh, continues. I think he will. I think he wins this fight. I mean, there's. I'm not going to say there's no ifs, ands, or buts, but this is a fight for for Jeff Neal to. Uh, it's hard cracking that one seventy top fifteen. I mean, look at the the the. the Robbie Lawler, 11, Damian Maya, 12, Neil Magny, 13, uh, Dos Santos, 14, Vincente Luque, 15. Like, it's a tough, tough division to crack. So uh, I think he's on route, though. I think Jeff Neal wins this. Then we get a couple of the big ones, quote unquote. Cyborg, a minus 260, and on some places is as high as a minus 909. Felicia Spencer is a plus 475, and I fully believe that Chris Cyborg is going to win it. Got to put five on it, Joe. <laughs> I got to put five on it. I really think that this betting line is appropriate. <laughs> Chris Cyborg is very good. Um, she she is going to show things to Felicia Spencer that Felicia Spencer has never seen before. Uh, Felicia Spencer was able to beat Megan Anderson, was able to beat Pam Sorensen, and those are real good wins. However, Chris Cyborg can overwhelm you, and if your back touches the cage, it is probably lights uh, lights out for you. Chris Cyborg has developed just such great offense when her opponent is up against the cage at range. And again, that's something that I, I fully believe in my heart of hearts that she worked on when training for Ronda Rousey, she didn't want to uh, make a habit of getting into clinch range, and she got really good at striking at range, especially up against the cage. I don't know if that's something Felicia Spencer can overcome. How do you feel about this one, Joe? Felicia Spencer, second round rear naked choke. You're just doing that so you can sound smart whenever she wins. Damn. Son of a bitch. Right. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Joe. I, you know what? I don't know, man. I, I like I – t- for all you suckers out there that are calling me Canadian and Tobias and Felicia Spencer. <laughs> For all no. you suckers that are calling him Canadian because he's from Canada. How dare you? Um, no. I just like Spencer's game, man. She's just like that Megan Anderson fight was something else. And I just think that, you know, taking on Cyborg is no easy task. But crazier things have happened in MMA, man. Crazier things have happened. We start seeing these these Men and women out of nowhere come out and have these crazy – look at Ozdemir, man. Ozdemir did some crazy stuff on his run. Uh, I think Spencer, as long as she can protect that chin of hers, take the beating if you can, but not a lot, and just clinch and try and get her down on the ground and then just start it. Just go, go, go. So, I, I, I mean, my heart's with Spencer. Uh, my, my head's with Justino. My, gut, my gut's telling me Spencer, Sean. Like I, Felicia Spencer, we were naked choke, and I don't give a damn if I'm wrong. Felicia Spencer, second round. We're going to choke. So we got to talk about what the future of this division would be otherwise. If Felicia Spencer wins, rematch. Or not not rematch. Title fight. Amanda 100%. Nunes. 100%. Of course. And then you queue up uh, Megan Anderson. If Megan Anderson put her against Kat Zingano again, and if she wins, title shot. Sure. Why not? But if Cyborg wins and she's done in the division, it's hard for or not done in the division – but her contract is done. It's hard for me to believe that she won't end up in Bellator. Correct. Fighting Julia Budd, which is a good fight. It's a damn yeah. good fight. Yeah. So win or lose to me, there are fights that are going to be set up. Because it doesn't matter where Cyborg is. If she wins, there's a chance she fights Amanda Nunes, even though she doesn't want to. According to Dana White. Yeah. <laughs> if she leaves, if she leaves, she's probably facing Julia Budd, and that's a good fight too. I think she beats Bud, but what do you think happens? Felicia Spencer's second round rear naked choke. <laughs> I <laughs> what think, do you, what do you, yeah. what do you think so, happens with Cyborg in the future? Yeah. Um drama, man. I think I think based on what you just said and based on what we're seeing and reading and hearing, and you know, with Dana White's sort of you know, adding gasoline to that log that was originally burning and sort of died off with the whole 
mystery with Chris Cyborg and the things that Chris Cyborg says and does on social media about whomever handles it. Um, you know, even winning, winning Chris Cyborg. So if Chris Cyborg wins and she doesn't quote unquote want to fight Amanda Nunes, bye, go. What are you here for? Get out. We're not giving you a tune up fight. Get out. We're not giving you an easy fight. Get out. If Felicia, if, if she loses, well, you're not good enough to be in this division that we created for you. Get out. Go fight Julia Budd. So either way, I would say there's a 90% chance Chris Cyborg is going to Bellator after this fight. 10% hey, chance. I, I Frankie Edgar, a plus 320. Max Holloway, a minus 390. I know you know Frankie Edgar very well. Uh, I know you've worked with him uh, in the past. He uh, This fight has tried to happen multiple times. It was scheduled oh, yeah. for UFC 218, UFC 222. I think we're getting it now. I don't think that Max Holloway's at a risk of not showing up for this fight, even though a lot of stuff has went down. You know, I'm, I've got mixed emotions about this. Is Frankie Edgar worthy of a title shot? Almost all the time, but he's not fought in over a year. His last one was Cub Swanson. Swanson is not what he thought he uh, what we thought he was anymore. For that, Ortega obliterated him. If he doesn't win, is this his last title shot ever? Yes, I think so too. Yes, I mean, there's no 100 percent guarantee with that yet. What's that? He'll be 38 this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee to anything in life. I mean, but at 38 and multiple, you know, he's been a champion before, uh, had many cracks at this title here. Um, I, th- this will be his last one. So this is this is a good payday for him. He's headlining a pay per view. Uh, I think he's a damn good opponent for for Max Holloway. Max Holloway on paper uh, should defeat Frankie Edgar. But if you think I'm ever going against Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar, if he was to fight when he was 60, I'd still root for Frankie Edgar. Um, he, he's just got that you know style that just simply won't go away. The problem is, is Max Holloway's precision and pressure um, is, is what Frankie Edgar was. You know, four or five years ago, right? It's it's you know it's it's a reincarnated Frankie Edgar who's taller and just quicker. Well, not quicker, but um, just crazy, crazy pace. I mean, there was a time you could not knock out Frankie Edgar. Just ask Gray Maynard in those fights, right? And never knock this guy out. And now he's getting older. The chin, the brain can only handle so much. So as long as Frankie's on his bike, using his footwork, uh, and chips away at Max Holloway, pushes him, punishes him as well, he could emerge victorious here. But Excuse me, Sean. It's 25 minutes. It's a long time, even for Frankie Edgar, who's fought in five-round fights before. Um, but I don't care. Frankie Edgar's going to win this fight, and new. I have to say it. Sorry. I, I don't. I don't think that he will. But the thing that in, that stood out to me the most is Max Holloway's reach is like only one inch higher. Well, you look at that, and you're like, well, Frankie Edgar was a former lightweight champion. So I mean, even though he's a bit diminutive anyway. That's something that stood out to me. Uh, Max Holloway uh, is another guy. He leaves a lot of openings is the thing. But he also overwhelms people to the level to where they can't capitalize on those openings. And he swarms people. And he keeps up a crazy pace. And, I mean, this is a guy who went in there and had an awesome fight at 155 pounds. He's had a lot of trials and tribulations over the last year or so. It's not been... This the smooth sailing for Max Holloway that it was after the McGregor fight. After the McGregor fight, he went on this just insane streak and didn't lose for years and years and years. And then you get to 2018 and bad stuff starts happening. He had a leg injury. And then the next month he was deemed that he couldn't have the fight. He had concussion symptoms three months later and finally got in the cage uh, and went four rounds with Ortega. And that was a tough fight. Came back. Went five rounds with Dustin Poirier, a weight division up. Yep. So I think a lot of the problems are behind him. But there's something that I want to see, Joe. I want to see what he's like. I want to see what Max Holloway's life is like, his career is like, his in-ring is like, after five rounds with Dustin Poirier. And even four rounds with, with Brian Ortega to some degree. Because some of those fights change people, Joe. MMA mileage, those are the fights that create MMA mileage. Unless you're shoot a box in training, getting knocked out in training, those are the fights right there, Sean, that, that just add that MMA mileage to you. 
I have Max Holloway winning this. A reminder, guys, subscribe to this channel. Leave a thumbs up. I may do my live stream on the Pro Wrestling channel just to see how it affects numbers, how it affects Super Chats, all that stuff. But we're not going anywhere over here. Joe, what do you got going on this week? Same old, same old, man. There's been a change in, in, in the soccer world for me, so I'm, I'm taking care of some business. I uh, have to straighten out a few people, straighten out a few clubs, straighten out a few, uh, I'll say, presidents uh, and VPs and, and just taking care of some business. But same old, same old for me. And then Thursday, leaving for Japan. Make sure you guys watch it on, on um, Fight TV. It's going to be a fantastic card. Mark my words. Long flight for me. Looking forward to getting there, getting uh, accustomed to the dot time zone, only to do the weigh-in, call the fights, go home. Uh, gone for four days, back right away. So looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Guys, follow Joe at Joe A. Ferraro. Follow me at Sean Ross. Follow us at Fightful MMA. Until next time, guys, we're out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.